Thanks for tuning in to the Renew Life Church Lubbock podcast today. We hope this message encourages you as you allow God's word and his presence to change your life. Good morning, everybody. Talkative bunch. I love it. Making each other feel welcome. How's everybody feeling today? Glad to be at church. Yes, I know I am. Uh, my name is uh, Stephen Williamson. Uh, I'm the worship director of RLC and live in Midland with my family. Drove up this morning with a buddy. And I am so excited to be here with you guys this morning. So, so excited to be here this morning. And uh, I love... I love this moment that we're in right now. We're going to jump into it in just a second, but I just, I just want to like acknowledge this moment that we're in right now. It's so incredible, the presence of God that we felt in this room. Uh, I spent a good portion of the set here on my knees just facing directly forward, so I, I don't know exactly the encounter that you were having in the presence of God right now, but I think it's important that we acknowledge that the presence of God is here that the presence of God is here and that he actually is in the room to challenge and to inspire you this morning. And so before we take another step into the message, I just wanna, I just wanna consecrate this time and I just want you to pray this prayer with me and this prayer is very simple. It's that Lord, whatever you wanna do, whatever you wanna say, I open my heart, I open my mind to receive what it is that you wanna do this morning. Can we pray this prayer together? Just in your own way, in your own words, let's just invite Holy Spirit to come and transform us this morning with his words and his power. Lord, we thank you so much for the encounter in worship that your presence has already come and it's already been established. Lord, I thank you that you saw today, this second month in 2023, this specific Sunday, you saw in advance the good things that you wanted to do in the lives and in the minds of your people. And so, Lord, right now, I just acknowledge that this is not just another Sunday. Lord, what is it that you want to do today? I wonder what God will do today, as this is common language here in this room. I wonder what God will do today. God, I pray that your words would impact the lives of your people. The Holy Spirit, as you've made your presence known, as you've already come before us and you've established your presence and your rule, Lord, that you would also do away with distractions, do away with shame. I pray that, that the people would breathe a little bit slower, that they would think a little bit clearer, that that perpetual nagging of the next thing that they need to do or the thing that they wish they wouldn't have done would somehow just fall by the wayside and that somehow is called the power of your Holy Spirit. So Lord, we give the next 30 some odd minutes to you. And Lord, we trust full well that you're gonna meet us here in this room. Yeah, so Lord, would you come and meet us here? In Jesus' name. If you agree, say amen. You know, it's funny listening to, listening to Keith process a moment ago on the tail end of worship in this ministry time. He's talking about this encounter that he had with the Lord. And so he, he goes and he lays and he's sprawled out on the floor. I was at that same conference let me tell you my perspective of Keith's encounter. His ginormous wingspan becomes an incredible opportunity to trip, right? So for those of us trying to navigate around his moment with the Lord, it's like, it's, <laughs> it's spread out all over the place, but incredible, incredible time in worship. And um, I believe that even much of what he encountered and they encountered and we encountered is now even impacting and influencing this room. And so it's an honor to be with you today. This morning, we're gonna talk about purpose. This word purpose, I know for me, whenever I was a kid, had a very different ring to it 
than it does today at the age of 31. Whenever I was a kid, I was fully convinced what my purpose was in life, and you could not convince me otherwise. I I was the greatest Tony Hawk pro skater player on Nintendo 64 you had ever seen. The absolute greatest, greatest of all time. No cheat codes required. You know, remember those old like, cartridge games? You like, <laughs> you had to like blow in it, pat it on your thing, and then you put it in your N60. I was the greatest skater of all time. And in my mind, that's who I wanted to be. I was going to be a professional skateboarding, sharp shooting with a rifle, quarterback in the NFL. That, this was my destiny. And you could, you could not convince me uh, that that's not what I was going to become. Later in life, I realized I don't have the you know, physique or the, well, actually, okay, let me, let me rephrase. I did not discipline myself enough to have the physique. I settled for more the dad bod look uh, instead of, uh, instead of the quarterback look, but it's, it's so interesting because when you're a kid, I mean, you probably have memories of what you wanted to do, who you wanted to become, the places you were going to go, the things you were going to achieve. And this thing called purpose, it wasn't daunting. It wasn't overwhelming. It wasn't concerning. There was this knowledge of, I'm gonna do it. I have what it takes. Now, all of our stories are different. So at different points, different times, some earlier than others, some later than others, we start to encounter these things in life that slowly chip away at dreams, at desires, at goals, ultimately at our destiny. Now, what I'm not saying is this, that I was destined to be a professional skateboarder. I could. I could, I could kickflip back in the day. I'm just saying, I could kickflip. But what I am saying is this, is even those superficial childish dreams, the things that I wanted to become, as those things eroded away through my own sin issues, through my own commitments, through life just happening, through finding myself at the age of 27 in circumstances that I never saw coming, I never would have wished them on myself. I never would have wished them on an enemy. I, I just, life just happens. And maybe you find yourself in that place this morning and you're actually thinking to yourself like, I don't even remember what it feels like to dream. I don't even remember what it feels like to have confidence that I could even do something with my life. You're so just in a hole because the world has eroded away every ounce of hope that you once had. This morning, I just want to spend a little bit of time rekindling purpose and identifying purpose and allowing Holy Spirit to come and begin to breathe those dreams and to breathe that life on those dreams that you once had and potentially for some of you even awaken new dreams, awaken new desires, that you will look at the world different, that you will speak different, that you will sound different even whenever you leave this room. That's what I believe the Lord wants to do this morning. You know, at an early age, we start asking our kids questions. We start asking our kids questions, um, something to the effect of, what do you want to be when you grow up, right? I remember uh, somewhere around eighth grade, I was listening to a podcast with the Helsers the other day. They started talking about how in the eighth grade, they start telling kids that they need to start choosing their career path. You need to decide what you want to do. You need to decide which college you're going to go to. You need to decide which trade you're going to subscribe to. And so in a world, we start demanding of our kids. My son is five, and I asked him the question just the other day and got even convicted about this, and let me share. But I asked my son, what do you want to be whenever you grow up? And my five-year-old son, his name is Canyon, his response was, I want to be a dad. I was, I I mean, you talk about like an emotional response. 
it's like in a moment I realized I am feeling a role in this boy's life that no other man on this earth can fill. I have a responsibility to this five-year-old child looking at me as his only model of fatherhood. So the father has been talking to me about these questions, talking to me about the things that we're putting inside of our kids, not just at the age of five, but at the age of 15. You see, we start demanding of our kids at an early age, contribute, contribute, contribute. All the while, Jesus' ministry didn't start till he was 30 years old and it lasted three and a half years. Jesus is calling our children not to contribute, 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 but instead to become, become, become. So now the language in our household and the language I wanna encourage you with this morning is not, what are you gonna do? What do you wanna be when you grow up? But instead, who are you becoming? What do you wanna be like when you grow up? You see, I just believe that there's this paradigm shift that Jesus is calling us into this morning. And this is not to cast shade or shame. Like, it's fun to get the answers. Firefighter, you know, skateboarder, ninja turtle. That was a, that was a close second for me. I was either going to be a skateboarder or a ninja turtle. And uh, it's, I'm not shaming you, but what I am saying is I, I do believe that the Father's heart for us is to get back into a process of becoming. And whenever we understand that that's the journey we're on with Jesus— that we are sons and daughters, we are co-heirs with Christ, whenever we understand our position with the Father, it changes everything. Now my purpose is truly found in knowing Jesus. My purpose is found in knowing and following Jesus. Purpose is defined as the reason for which something is done or created or for which something exists. Let's read in John chapter six. This will be where we camp out uh, for the majority of this message, at the very end, we're going to hop down into Psalms. But if you want to mark your places in your Bible, we're going to be in John chapter 6 for the majority of the time. We're going to start in verse 60. I'll be reading out of the New Living Translation. I'll give you a second to get there. John chapter 6. Let me catch you up on a little bit of context on where we're at at this point in time. This is immediately after Jesus is preaching to his disciples, not the twelve but the many, the congregation, the many disciples that were following Jesus up to this point, he's speaking to them. And this is the, the message where he tells them that if you are going to be a disciple of me, a disciple of my father's, then you have to first eat my flesh and you have to drink my blood. So this is the moment that we pick up in starting in verse 60. It says, many of his disciples said, this is very hard to understand. True, right? It's true. That's a tough one. This is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining. So he said to them, does this offend you? Then what will you think if you see the son of man ascend to heaven again? The spirit alone gives eternal life. Human, human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are the spirit and life, our spirit and life. But some of you do not believe me for Jesus knew from the beginning which ones would believe and he knew which one, he knew who would betray him. Then Jesus said, that is that is why I said that people can come to, can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. At this point, many of his disciples turned away and they deserted him. Then Jesus turned to the 12 and asked, are you going to leave? In verse 68, get this. Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know you are the Holy One of God. Let's stop there. 
I want to talk about three very particular things that I glean from this passage. And the first of which is that your purpose, the purpose of the disciples, and your purpose today will stretch you. It will inevitably stretch you. You see, the disciples were living this out in real time. We have the luxury of going back and reading John chapter 6 and understanding, like, ah, it all works out in the end. Like, he dies on a cross, but then he comes back. Right? We, we have this understanding today. But back then, the disciples are sitting here on the tail end of this extremely difficult teaching that says, eat my flesh, drink my blood. And they're going, I don't even have a, I don't have a category for that. That's, that's a difficult one, right? I tell you what, that's your story today, too. In 2023, you don't have the luxury of looking at your life 150, 200, 2,000 years from now. All you have is this moment right now. But faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. The call and the commission for you today in 2023 is the same call and commission that the disciples had 2,000 plus years ago. And that is simply this, will you trust me? Will you trust me? And I know for me, my answer today is going to be yes, a resounding yes. You see, Jesus, being around Jesus as a disciple was extremely stretching. I want to put you into some scenarios. Imagine being a disciple whenever he walks up in the temple. He sees that it's a den of thieves, that they're selling things, that they are, it's misconduct in his house, in his temple, the temple of his father, and he flips out. He starts flipping tables over. He's calling them demons. He's saying, get out of here. He's kicking stuff. I could just imagine being a disciple in that moment, being like, hey, ooh, hey, oh, man, we're trying to build a ministry here, guy. What are you? They're like, that's, that's one way to handle that. There's probably a more diplomatic solution, but Jesus didn't care. It was stretching. Imagine being a disciple whenever he shows up at the wedding feast and his mom says, hey, this party ain't over, but the wine is out. It ain't gonna work. We need some more wine, Jesus. And so he's like, it's not my time yet. It's not my time yet. But she said, I'm your mom, do what I say. So he, he multiplies the wine. Imagine being in that moment as a disciple. Jesus, the very nature of who he is, it's stretching. It's stretching. It's stretching constantly. And so I want you to just evaluate your own life as you see it today and identify the areas where you are either being stretched or if you find yourself extremely comfortable, I believe that there's a substitute for that word comfortable and that word is complacent. And I want you to just be really, really, really honest with yourself today. Where is Jesus stretching me? Where is the evidence in my life that my relationships are being stretched? That my abilities as a father and as a husband are being stretched? That my, my responsibilities as an employee are being stretched? That my commitment to Jesus and fulfilling the prophetic word that you got, maybe in this room, it's being stretched. It's being tested. Being around Jesus in his nature is extremely stretching. Extremely stretching. Let me read verse 61 again. It says, Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining. So he said to them, does this offend you? Then in verse 62, he says this. Then what will you think if you see the Son of Man ascend to heaven again? See, the disciples found themselves chapter after chapter, story after story in places going, I don't have a category for what you're doing, Jesus. And he's saying, you haven't seen anything yet. So I believe this. If you're in a season right now, where it's difficult, where you're being stretched, where you don't know up from down, you don't know right from wrong, you're just, you're just trying to be faithful to the Lord. And I believe that that's the majority of the stories in the room because that's what faith feels like so many times. I believe that's your story. I believe you're a people of faith. There's faith in this room when we worship. 
just remember, the nature of your relationship with Jesus is stretching. And he's telling you in this season, you have not seen anything yet. He's telling his disciples, you need to get extremely comfortable with being extremely uncomfortable. (laughs) This is the nature of Jesus. Oftentimes, whenever we hit these tense places in our story, it's like, oh, this is really good. Like, I'm walking with Jesus. Things are really good. Things are, things are going well. The business opportunities are opening up. And, you know, conversations are happening that are life-giving with my family. And I feel like I'm just, like, in my sweet spot as a dad. And then, boom, inevitably something happens. And whenever that something happens, I don't want to project in your story what that looks like. But we all have that, oh, oh, did not see that coming moment. One of two things is gonna happen in your mentality. One, you're immediately gonna start to question, what did I do wrong? What step did I miss, God? Because we envision our purpose and our path with Jesus as being this linear thing that if we take one step to the right, or if we get off and we miss our exit, that we have missed the assignment for our life. The second thing that could happen, and this is, I believe, the place the Father is calling us up into today, is remembering and acknowledging who you are. Not hypothetically, not just because I said it, but because there's this innate knowledge that says I'm a son of God and I'm in pursuit of the Father's heart and I refuse to be deceived by the enemy or deceived by my own voice. I am walking the straight and narrow path. So when things that, oh, that that tough moment comes, my question is not gonna be, oh, what did I do? How did I miss it? I'm not gonna get distracted, but instead I'm gonna keep my eyes on Jesus and I'm gonna say, okay, Lord, what are we doing in this season? What are we doing in this season? It feels tough, it feels stretching. Acknowledge that it's difficult, but acknowledge that it's the Father. And the truth is, in your heart of hearts, you know. I'm not saying that if you don't, that if you have sin issues, you shouldn't get it reconciled. I'm not saying that if you have unforgiveness, you shouldn't get it reconciled. Those are okay stops on the way to your purpose. And the Father will meet you in those places. But more times than not, I believe that the Father, the reward of, of growth, I've heard, I think it was Chris Valentin say this, that the reward of growth is pruning. The reward of growth is pruning. So when those tense moments come, just ask better questions. Okay, Lord, what are we doing? What are you trying to teach me here? What what, what are we trying to do? Where are we going? Who do I need to impact? What are you saying, Jesus? The nature of being around Jesus is that it's extremely stretching. And your purpose, it will stretch you. The second thing is that your purpose is in the people that you encounter. As Jesus traveled throughout Galilee, Judea, Samaria, as you look at his ministry track for three and a half years, more times than not, His opportunities in ministry were just that. They were opportunities. He'd be in one place preaching to the masses and then somebody comes up and says, oh my goodness, you gotta please come to my my son. He's in Samaria and he needs help. So their ministry would pivot and he would come over here. And then while he's here, somebody else would come up and say, oh my goodness, what what you're doing here, this kingdom on earth thing, like we really need it over here in this area in Galilee. Great, Let's, let's run over here and let's do that. It was driven by opportunity. I believe that your purpose is found in the people that you serve. In Western society here in the U.S., like where it's grind, 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 go, 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 like the the highest form of currency is the calluses on your hands. I believe that the Lord is once again calling us to a place of understanding. No, 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 no. Your purpose is not your vocation. Your purpose is in the people that you serve. 
So if you're asking questions all the time of like, why am I even here? These people are terrible. I'm miserable. I am miserable. I'm being faithful to this word the Lord has given me, but I am miserable. These people are just awful. If you find yourself asking these questions, I just want to zoom the lens out and tell you, duh. (laughs) You are God's plan for kingdom at work in your area. You're it. You are the plan for sustained revival in Lubbock, Texas. You have always been the plan because why? It's not about vocation. It's not about the destination. Your purpose is actually about the people you are called to serve. And I I even get the sense that there's, I feel like there's even just some dissatisfaction with your season. I see specifically even just moms, moms who are at home with their littles. Maybe you've traded in careers, you've given up careers just to consent to being home with your young ones, let me just affirm you in this. Your purpose is in those little people that you have a responsibility and the gift to turn from little people to big people that serve the Lord. Wear it well, mom, wear it well. It is your calling, it is your assignment. Your purpose is exclusively found in the people that you are serving. We're called to people more than we're called to places, I believe. I've heard it said this way, Find your people, find your purpose. You see, whenever we redefine what my purpose is, and it's no longer tied to what I'm doing, but instead who my father is and the people that I'm around, failure takes on a whole different meaning. Because now my failure, whenever I drop the ball or I blow it at work or I this or I that or I get demoted or I have a whatever, it's like, okay, cool, man, we missed that one. But guess what? I still have God. I still have my people. Therefore, I still have a purpose. It's time to redefine failure even. And where that starts is by re-identifying what purpose is. You are called to people. And his plan for your life, it's too grand to be forfeited in the slippery slopes of settling of settling. We find ourselves like in these good rhythms, maybe with good people, and you just don't want to move, and it's very comfortable, and it's like, oh, I just, I just want to stay here. So you find yourself in this place of just settling. Maybe even you've had thoughts of like, well, my season is done. Like, we've, we've done a lot of really risky things for the kingdom, so we're just, we're just going to stay here for a while. The slippery slope of settling oftentimes is the opposite and it is the enemy of the purpose that's on your life. Now, what I'm not saying is it's constantly gonna be hard. It's gonna be brick wall after brick wall after brick wall. There's something to be said about your place of grace. But whenever I'm living call the people and whenever I'm living acknowledging that I'm supposed to be stretched, that place of grace, this feeling of comfortability and knowing who Jesus is and the path that I'm in, you see, all of a sudden, the things that are happening around me, they just feel better. I don't know how else to describe that, except whenever you're in your place of grace, the peace of God in that season, it truly overcomes all other things. And there's scripture that talks about the peace that transcends all understanding. When you're in your place of God, living in your purpose that starts here and now, it truly is just better. But I believe too many times we live with this mentality of, well, I need to just do this one thing. Or if I could just get this one promotion. Or if I could just get this one kid a little bit older, then we can start doing these things. Or We've always got this agenda that's destination focused 
I present to you that our purpose is actually found in the messy middle. (laughs) In the messy middle. I'm not going to live just looking forward to the next promotion, to the next season, to the next transition. Well, I just got to get through this. I just got to get through that. And then I can live in my purpose. No, your purpose is in the here and it's in the now and it's in the mess of where you are currently. Where you're at today is your non-negotiable starting point. Non-negotiable starting point. This is where you are. The people you are around They're actually your call. Your purpose is in the people you're serving. I also believe that our purpose, it requires an absolute yes. An absolute yes. A yes that says no matter what comes, no matter what happens, no matter the cost, I gave you my yes and I will stand by that yes. I like to watch, a little vulnerability here, okay? I like to watch fail videos. I like watching people get hurt on Instagram. Anybody else? Okay, good. The pastor does, so I think we're, okay. But I love love watching fail videos. It's like one of my, it's one of my absolute favorite things to do. I love watching people, like, they're going for the thing, and then they wound up not doing the thing so well. And usually there's a lot of confidence leading up to the moment, Right? They're like, oh, yeah, I got this. It's like swagger. And then something happens right before the dismount or right before the jump or right before the shot or right before whatever. And there's this moment of like, like a little bit of loss of confidence. And at that point, it's over. I know it's going to be a good video. At that point, when I, when I see that, it's like I know it's going to be a good video. It's, it requires like this absolute like full throttle. If it's gonna work, it's gonna work. If it's not, it's not, but I'm going for it. If there's any hesitation in that step, that stutter step, it's game over. And I believe it's the same way in our faith. I believe it's the same way in finding our purpose. If you give him a yes, it better be an absolute yes. It better be an absolute yes. Maybe what you're feeling right now is you're like feeling this, remembrance of something the father said. You're feeling this remembrance of like, I I knew I was supposed to do this, but it was a really hard decision. And now maybe the moment's passed me by. Maybe it's a simple thing. Maybe it's just telling somebody something kind. Maybe it's even someone in this room. Maybe it's some form of relationship you were supposed to enter into. Maybe it was a job decision, whatever it is. But I believe that the father is very kind to start reminding reminding us of things even in this moment where you were called to give a yes. See, I refuse to call Jesus my priority, but live like he's an option. Father is calling us into an absolute resounding yes. There was a church in Laodicea where the warning was given, if you are neither hot nor cold, but you are lukewarm, I will spit you out of my mouth, scripture says. I believe that the Lord is calling us into this place of an absolute yes, whatever that looks like. It'll stretch you. It'll be about the people that you serve, but it will require an absolute yes. Let's read verse 67 again. It says, then Jesus turned to the 12 and asked, are you going to leave? Then Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. I want you just to put yourself in these shoes. An extremely challenging message has just been given. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. 
And then Jesus turns to those who remain, the faithful, the remnant, the few. And he says, okay, are you gonna go too? Or are you with me? And I love this response from Peter that he says, where else are we gonna go? <laughs> what, what else am I gonna do? I mean, I, I used to be a fisherman. I, I've, I've seen you do things that I can't explain. You've brought people into my life that are brothers. Where else would we go? See, an absolute yes will strategically put you in places where there is a dependence on Jesus that is undeniable. A dependence on Jesus that's undeniable that says, Lord, if you don't come through, I'm gonna look like a fool. If you, if you don't come through, if you don't meet me in this place, I, I, am, I am dead meat. I'm gonna look like an idiot, but my answer is still yes. I believe that the Lord is asking us the same question today in 2023. It's the same questions that he was asking the disciples. Are you gonna go too? Are you gonna go too? And I want my answer. I want your answer to be that answer that says, where else would I go? You have the words of eternal life. Where, where, what else am I gonna do? When my, when my son was one years old, he had pneumonia. It was the scariest time of my entire life. And you were the one God that intervened in that season and you healed him. And he's still alive and breathing today with zero asthma, zero pneumonia, feeling completely good. You, God, you're the one. You're the one when I thought I was gonna lose my marriage in 2019. You're the one who restored that and put us on this, on this trajectory of health and healing and hope. Where, where else am I gonna go? You have the words of life. What's your story? I, I, could, I know I could tell you story after story after story of why I am giving him my yes, but there comes a point where you have to answer that for yourself. Why are you giving him your yes? Is he worthy of your yes? Has he been trustworthy before? I believe that the majority of us in this room would say, yes, he has proven himself to me. But maybe there's some in the room right now that you would say, I just don't know. I just hadn't seen the goodness of God. I prophesy it's coming. It's coming. You're gonna find yourself in, yourselves in rooms. You're gonna find yourselves in opportunities. You're gonna find yourselves in blessings that there is no explanation for so that you can look at the Lord and say, where else would I go? What, what else would I do? You're it, Jesus. It's always been you. It's you now, Jesus. It'll always be you, Jesus. The yes is costly, possibly the most costly decision you'll ever make. But the higher cost by far is not making that yes. I promise you, don't live warm, don't live cold. Hard commitment to Jesus, it requires a yes. See, there's this response whenever we understand what our purpose is, that it's stretching us, that we're called the people, that it takes a yes. There's a response from the Father's heart and that response is that he is extremely pleased. He's extremely pleased. This God that we worship, we fall on our faces for, we sprawl out for, we cry for, we worship him in spirit and in truth. This is what it's all about. He's very pleased whenever you acknowledge these things and you live in your purpose. I wanna read a passage of scripture over you guys. And I want you to, I want you not to just hear this 
as words from David in the book of Psalms, but I want you to hear this as your own words to the Father. Would you just close your eyes? I want you just to even use your mind's eye. It's one of the greatest tools that the Father gives us is our imagination, our ability to just see things. I believe you can even see things in the Spirit. So I just want you to receive this over your life. Psalms 139 verse 13 through 18 says, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. They can't be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. You are still with me. Regardless of what I've done, regardless of where I've been, you are still with me. It's not contingent on my performance. You are still with me. Thanks again for listening today. If you'd like to join us in person for church, Renew Life meets every Sunday morning at the YWCA at 6501 University Avenue in Lubbock, Texas. For more information on our ministry, check out renewlifechurch.com or find us on social media. We hope to see you soon.